Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. Today, we are very excited to welcome a guest to the podcast, Ellen Wildman. Ellen is a writer, public speaker, and theologian who works in publishing. She released her first book, Single Not Sorry, 90 Devotions of Real Encouragement for Right Now, this past February. Ellen can often be found baking sourdough, diving into another book, or caring for her herb garden. Ellen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I want to thank each and every listener who is tuning in today, wherever you might find yourself, whether you are driving to work, cleaning up the kitchen, or curled up on the couch with a cup of tea. We are glad you're here with us. We will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments, but first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with the biggest challenges or frustrations that week. And finishing off with a blessing or a positive, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose? Well, thorn-wise, I, um, I thought I was going to get to say that I made it to an episode recording when I had a sick free week and it had started off that way. It seemed like it was going that way, but yesterday I started feeling under the weather again. So <sighs> I think it's just everybody's got something going around, right? So the sinuses, they were lighting up. So... <laughs> We'll see. We'll see where this goes. That's been a little thorny, but a rose that I had midweek was because I had been feeling better. I finally got outside for a run. And I think Kelia is probably like, this is a rose. You went running. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a running person. So I was like, I get to run. I get to be outside and run. It was so wonderful. And I even got a little bit of resistance training in, which I've been wanting to get better at prioritizing site tend to go more cardio and I know I need to work better on my my muscular strength. So yes, my rose was exercise and I finally got the D7 and it felt really, really good. Amazing. I love that. (laughs) I love that rose for you. Thank you. Not for me. (laughs) All right. Um, Ellen, what about your thorn and your rose? So my thorn was daylight savings time. Uh, Oh yeah. I do enjoy that there's more light when I'm done with work, but getting up this week has been very rough and I don't even have kids, but I have struggled. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also not a super good sleeper in general. So it just like really threw me off and my body's all confused. So I would just like to do away with daylight savings. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Here, here. (laughs) Yes. My rose this week, though, was that this weekend I'm actually going to Chattanooga, which I'm in Nashville, so just a few hours away, with two of my best friends to a cabin. Mm. And that's kind of just gotten me through like a busy week, just thinking about relaxing and refreshing and planning and prepping even have been helpful. So I'm just really looking forward to it and 
I've also gotten a lot done this week because I want to like completely unplug when I'm there. So it's helped me have a productive week, but also now I'm just like really looking forward to unplugging and relaxing with my friends. Do you have a favorite um, cabin activity? That you like to do. I'm really excited to read. We're going to be there for like 48 hours. And I think I've packed three books. <laughs> Very aggressive. Very nice. You don't want to be without one, right? You don't want to be without it. And if anything, it will just set the vibe, you know? So Got I'm it. looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delightful. I'm also one to bring multiple books because yeah. I think, well, I might be in a fiction mood or I might be in a nonfiction mood or I might be in a devotional mood. Right. I don't know. You never so, know. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. <laughs> so I am actually going to start off with my rose this week only because my thorn won't make sense otherwise. So I kind of have to start off with my uh, rose. So my rose is that my husband and I are moving to Los Angeles. Ooh. And Ooh. yeah, and when this episode comes out, we will have just moved. But at the time of recording this episode, we are here in our last week in New York And, you know, of course, we're always going to love New York, but um, despite growing up in LA, I actually really do feel like I truly grew up in New York. I spent, you know, the first um, few years of my early 20s here, and I feel like they were very formative, but we both just have this uh, feeling that we're ready to move on to a new chapter of life and moving to LA just hit us both as a real option at the same time, which was kind of incredible. It just felt like God had just been leading us there over the past year. But as for my thorn, we're in the throes of packing and selling and donating and throwing things away. And I'm sure most people listening have moved before, but there's something especially difficult about trying to move in New York. You don't have a car. Mm. Everything is just more expensive. You don't have room to pack things and ship things. And so it's just been a bit thorny in that sense but it's all for a very good reason. All right. So just a couple of things before we move on to our letter for this week. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It helps to boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might get something from it and enjoy it. And we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. All right. So let's move on to our letter for today, which covers a subject of finding happiness in single in seasons of singleness. And I'm very excited to hear Ellen's thoughts on this subject. So here we go. Dear Wallflower, I am 20 and have never dated before. If I'm honest, when I look around and see all of my friends having real relationships and my older sister always being the one that guys look at, it hurts. I feel weird, ugly, and undesirable. I have acne and am uncomfortable in my skin, and I just feel unworthy of love. I don't think I've ever had a guy like me back. I know I'm not supposed to find my worth in a guy or a relationship, but honestly, it's hard not to when that's really what I desire most. I just want to feel loved. But then I also worry that I'm putting too much pressure on romance. Any tips on how to feel better about myself and being single when everyone else is in love? Signed, Single Susie. All right, Ellen, what are your thoughts for our writer today? So the first thing I thought of when I read this letter from Single Susie is that I just wanted to tell her that she is not alone. 
Mm -hmm. He's not alone in these feelings. I know that this can be a very isolating place to find yourself, but I promise that other people have felt this way. I promise you that other people have felt this way, are feeling this way. And I just want, I just want her to know that she's not alone. I also want to affirm that her desire to be in a relationship is okay. Uh, when I read this letter or hear this letter, it sounds to me like she's just really discouraged and sad about her singleness. But I want her to know that she can bring those feelings to God and he will sustain her because we all go through that. And it's a really tough spot to be in, I think, when you desire to be in a relationship but at the same time, you want to be more content in your singleness, like trying to balance those. Mm -hmm, for sure. That's a really tough place to be. And I think more than anything, when I've been in that spot, what I needed to hear was that you are held by God there. You are mm -hmm. held and your feelings are valid. And it's okay to feel a little torn with, I want a relationship, but I also want to be content where I am. That's a tough spot. And it's okay what you're feeling is okay. And also God will sustain you even in this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think um, when I have felt really discouraged in my singleness in the past, as single uh, Susie mentioned, I have also often turned to my appearance <laughs> and kind of beating up on myself. And I think part of that is when you're, absorbed in these feelings about your singleness and kind of ruminating on your relationship status, it can be really tempting to look within to find blame or reason. And I just want single Susie to know that the way that her body looks does not and will not ever determine her relationship status. Mm -hmm. I just want to affirm that for her. And I want her to know that her body is not a problem. It's not a problem and it's not um, a detriment to her dating life. And it's not going to prohibit her from possibly having a relationship in the future. It's not a problem. Yeah. And I know, I know that can be hard to believe. Um, but I want, I want her to know that. <laughs> yeah. I think a past version of myself needed to hear that as well. I think, I mean, I think that just comes with the territory of being a young woman is you're going to have insecurities about your physical appearance, but mm -hmm. it really, when you just choose, cause it is, I feel like a choice to see yourself as this, this beautiful person created in the image of God and your body is a gift and all of these things, it really helps to shift how you start, how you've been talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think similar to you, I, I needed to hear, I, I've been in the place of single Susie and I needed to hear that my body was not a problem. And even if I didn't believe it, I needed to hear it because I needed that truth kind of spoken to me when I've been in those more discouraging spots. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I also just want to affirm that the reason her body isn't a problem is because she's created by a good God and he is really proud of who he made her to be. Um, one of my favorite devotionals I wrote in the book 
is about how you are whole right now, just as you are, whether you are single or not. So really what I wanted to emphasize there is that God doesn't create each of us as like a fragment Mm. waiting for our our matching piece, you know, in the heart of a man or (laughs) right. Right. Waiting to be matched up. Um, He's, he's created us whole right now as we are. And I think that can just be really encouraging and heartening to remember that if, when God gives you the romantic relationship that you desire, you are adding to the wholeness that you already have. You're not becoming whole. Right. I love that image. Yeah, and the, whole, the whole idea of the like the the two becoming one flesh in marriage too. It's a one plus one equals one. It's not a yes. half and a half yeah. or a third and a two thirds in terms of like this kind of they're not equal. Like you're not waiting for the person to complete you. You are yeah. already a whole person. That's yeah. a great picture and image to give us on. Yeah, exactly. I think that that I want single Susie to know as she's struggling with these feelings of balancing wanting that romantic relationship and wanting to be more content in her singleness that she can pursue dating or she can pursue contentment in her singleness while being a whole person that God created to be as she is right now. Yeah. And um that just reminds me of Psalm 139 talking about how we're wonderfully made. I know that that can be a little overused, (laughs) (laughs) but I think in this instance, it's really helpful to just imagine, you know, when God created single Susie, when God created us, he didn't leave a part off to be brought along later or fulfilled later. He knows that He created you this way for a reason. And even when we can't see it or we're facing discouragement, God knows and we can lean on him even when we're feeling frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. We really can lean on him even when we're not understanding why, you know, our life is the way it is or why we don't have something that we really, really wish we had. Mm -hmm. And what I am realizing, and this is just something that I've been thinking about lately, God really is a God of process. He takes forever to do things. And and I mean that in a good way, he takes his time. He doesn't hear a prayer and immediately go, Oh, snap. Okay. Got it. I'll do it for you. He makes you wait and and has you pray to him and has, and draws you closer to him and leads you in a direction that is going to be life-giving. And whether or not that means that a certain prayer gets answered differently than how you had always thought it would be answered he's really just a, a God of process. It takes time. Right. Mm-hmm. Not because he needs that. Right. Because we need it. No, because we, yeah. need- <laughs> <laughs> right. We no, are he, deeply. He says, shaped. I need to walk you along this path and it's going to take a little while, but I, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly. That reminds me of something I really emphasized throughout the devotional was plans because I think all of us can get, um, wrapped up with plans. What's going to happen in my life? What should I do? But especially when you're single, I think there's a unique element of what is my life going to look like in five years, 10 years, especially if you do desire a romantic relationship or marriage. 
and like you're talking about Kelia, I think it's just really that balance of bringing your plans, what you desire to God, and also knowing that it's in his timing. Mm -hmm. And that can be really hard to trust his timing, but that's a walk of faith and a walk of um, placing your trust in him. Like even when I look back to college or high school, I would have never thought that I would be single right now. (laughs) I was that girl that thought, Oh, I'll I'll go to college and I'll meet someone. We'll get married right after college. Um, That hasn't happened. But at the same time, I didn't think that I would have the joy that I have right now. If you would have Mm -hmm. told high school me, Oh, you'll be 28. You'll be single. um, You'll be living alone, writing. I would have been like, what are you talking about? I'm going to have, you know, two kids and a dog and a husband. And it's not wrong to desire those things, but my desires have also changed and morphed. And I still think that God gave me those desires and he may still fulfill them, but his plans look differently than I thought. Yeah, it always does. (laughs) I'm okay with that too, because I see... I see his goodness in what his plan looks like for my life now. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. But when you're in it, it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> no. It can, feel, <laughs> it can feel really difficult. <laughs> and that's why I think um, just emphasizing to Susie, like continue to bring all of this that's going on inside you, all of your inner turmoil to God, because that is really what will sustain you through these hard times, going to God, trusting in him, crying out to him. Um, I promise that the joy will come. I promise. I know in the moment, it doesn't feel like it will, but I've been there where I was, you know, in college crying in my dorm because all my other friends <laughs> were out on dates. And now I'm joyous in my singleness. I see the pros. And if I have a relationship, a marriage down the line, I will rejoice in that. And if I don't, I will rejoice in that. And single Susie probably does not feel that right now, but I promise that God has a good plan for you. Wow. Those are very wise words from someone who's walking the same or has walked the same path that our single Susie is currently walking. Those are all wonderful thoughts, Ellen. Jessica, I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts for single Susie. Yes, Jessica. Lay it on (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'd like to start by sharing a little bit of my own story since I can also see my younger self in this letter. Mm-hmm. While mm-hmm. I am married now, I was once a 20-year-old who had never dated. I can definitely relate. Um, my brother, who's just two years older than me, was already married to his high school sweetheart at that time when I was 20. And so many of the other girls around me at college seemed to be getting romantic attention when I was not. I longed for a relationship. Um, the guys that I typically liked uh, didn't like me back either. So I was a buddy to, you know, to these guys. I was a pal and I was, you know, I was just sick of being single at that point, but I had to come to the point. It sounds like Ellen, what you described, um, for myself before God, where I was willing to relinquish my felt need for a relationship. 
Mm-hmm. I had to open my hands and say, not my will, but your will be done. And that act of submission really scared me on the one hand, because it felt like God would take me into the ranks of the forever single, you know, gl- glad to finally have another volunteer. <laughs> but this is, not, <laughs> this is not our God's character, right? I mean, it's funny how our fears can, can totally mislead us. Um, mm-hmm. While I'm not meaning to say that he desires for all of us to be married, he does desire to have our whole hearts to be his own. I had to give him my undivided heart, single or not. And that was a crucial turning point in my perspective toward romantic love. I think we all need to come to such a point, again, single or not, that we need to give our whole hearts to God. Mm -hmm. So to shift then to addressing single Susie's question of how she can feel better about herself and being single when, quote, everyone else is in love, um, I'll start with just saying a little bit about feeling better about herself. Um, I'm sorry to hear that single Susie is finding it difficult to be comfortable in her own skin. It's a challenge to see women all around us, even those really close to us, getting attention while we feel like the ugly duckling. Um, I don't know how much of this sense of feeling undesirable is just in her head or how much of it might be you know, quote, objectively true or whatever. I feel like that's all subjective anyway, but you know what? In some sense, I don't know that it really matters that much. I feel like the main focus should be trying not, not to be on trying to get guys' attention, but with feeling confident and comfortable in her own skin. Mm-hmm. When we are confident, we carry ourselves differently. We stand tall. Our eyes and our faces are bright. The tones of our voices change for the better. Kelia has talked a lot about the power of smiling. How do you carry yourself when you're confident, when you smile? There's a lot to be said for that. And those who are, in the words of Jane Austen, plain, may be more more attractive than their prettier counterparts if their character and their personalities shine through winsomely. So getting back to motivation, don't aim to focus on outward appearances so much. While I can certainly understand the discouragement of acne, and you hopefully can find some ways to help address this. The point is not to get dolled up to draw flocks of men. You know, even if just one guy noticed you and paid attention, and if he was the right sort of man, that is what would matter. Mm-hmm. And that is the kind of man you'd want to attract anyhow, the kind who would care about the substance, about your character, your personality, and who you are beneath the exterior. Mm, that's all it takes. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned, when, like I was saying earlier, when you believe that your body isn't a problem and that you are wonderfully made, you are less concerned also about Mm -hmm. what other people think. I've noticed that in my own life, when I believe that my body is good because it is created by God, I'm not as worried about my outward appearance and what Mm -hmm. others think and what attention I'm drawing, because I, I already know where my worth is. I already know that God says my body is good because he made it. So that kind of just shifts your perspective as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those people are the most beautiful, the ones Mm -hmm. who feel confident because they know that their, yeah, their bodies are good, that they are made by a good God. And as opposed to, yeah, those that are preoccupied with their, their appearance. So I hope that single Susie can take that as truth and, and hang on to that. Yeah. As to feeling better about being single, then um, let's consider Paul's words in Corinthians 7 about it being better for those who are single to remain single. 
Now, Paul's not saying that those who are married are doing something wrong or lesser. Um, Read the entirety of the chapter contextually to get the full picture. Um, What Paul is saying is that singleness and marriage are two vastly different sets of circumstances. Each has something that the other does not have and even cannot have. It's funny, uh, both my husband and I will occasionally lament the days when we didn't have to be concerned about the decisions that we make and how they affect (laughs) the other person. Um, Of course, we don't do this in a way that's unloving or disrespectful, but we feel the change deeply sometimes and are open and honest with one another about the differences that we feel between singleness and marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, there, There just is something unique about being the sole or at least the primary person responsible for, accountable to, and affected by our choices. And I don't mean for this to take on a predominantly selfish or individualistic tone. While it can be satisfying to have that freedom, I'm also talking about the time that one can spend with the Lord, um, attending to the voice of the Spirit in everyday things, spending time with others, serving others, etc. Paul's words about the married being concerned about, quote, the the affairs of this world versus the single person being freed to attend to the Lord's affairs is a very real comparison. That's true. It allows you, I think, to fall in love with God first. Mm. I think that's, that's what he's really hoping for is that you'll fall in love with him first. Yeah. 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 And in my experience, I've, because I'm single, I've had the opportunity to really invest in a rich Christian community in a unique way. I can start with my relationship with the Lord, but then I also have more time to go to people's house or watch their kids while they go out on a date night or just Mm -hmm. invest in a small group or a Bible study. Mm -hmm. I I know it's hard when you're feeling really discouraged about your singleness, but as you're saying, Jessica, to kind of shift your perspective and see that this is really a great time to invest in your relationship with the Lord and your community in such a unique Mm way. Yeah. And if I can be honest here, I, I feel like I noticed a change in the intimacy and vibrancy of my spiritual life in marriage, meaning that it didn't feel as, as vibrant or intimate as it had in college. Mm. Um, It's just simply more difficult to pour into it in the same ways as I did when I was single. And so not that it's not possible, but they're just more barriers need to be more, Mm. I think, creative and whatnot. So all this to say um, to single Susie, embrace your years of singleness As much as you may long for a romantic relationship, practice gratitude for and living into where you are right now. And then lastly, I I do want to point out that she says that she wants to feel loved. Mm. Um, While I can Mm. see that she is asking in large part about romantic love, I think it is fair to highlight the importance and value of friendship love. I can definitely understand the desire for romantic love, but I don't want her to fail to appreciate the other kinds of love beyond that sort. Um, she seems already to be aware of the danger of placing romance on a pedestal. And so this is, this is great. It's a really good thing. Um, and romantic love can be a wonderful gift when received and approached in the right timing and the right ways, but it can also be a big distraction from embracing what is already in front of us and what we could be failing to invest in, such as friendship. Yeah. A few weeks ago in episode 23, Kelia and I talked about how to find a kindred spirit kind of friend. These sorts of friendships are so valuable and could be a great source of joy and meaning both in single years and in, in marriage. So I want to encourage single Susie to keep in mind the ways that she can be and feel loved while single and lean into those. 
So I'll close out by saying, single Susie, we see you. We have all felt the aches that you feel. Mm -hmm. We also know the freedom that comes with embracing your current season with intention and gratitude. I pray that you would find that peace and that your face would be radiant with the brightness of a truly contented heart. Oh, I love that. Your face would be radiant with the brightness of a truly contented heart. I love that. Mm -hmm. I really feel for this writer. Um, A younger me definitely identifies with these feelings. For someone who hasn't felt like this before, it might be difficult to understand the full weight of what it's like to feel undesirable, just unworthy of love. And these feelings are heavy and they're painful and they do not go away easily. And I think having this inner monologue of being ugly or inherently unwanted can really stain our soul. It just builds and builds on top of itself and it compounds. And that kind of regard for ourselves doesn't fade away, even when we get into the relationship that we have been dreaming of. Mm -hmm. So, this is the first thing that I want to tell our writer, you will not find your worth in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I know when having a relationship is something you've always wanted and not yet had that you feel like once that clicks into into place, every insecurity is just going to melt away, but that's just not true. So I want to encourage her to change her self-talk first before anything else. I know from firsthand experience how difficult this is. But this was the most pressing issue that I noticed from her letter. The things that we say about ourselves and to ourselves have great influence over us. Mm -hmm. Our self-talk changes how we behave, how we present to the world around us. As Jessica was saying, you know, people that are content with themselves and happy with themselves, they stand taller, you know? And I think our self-talk changes what we think we deserve from from someone, from a relationship. Mm And there's this old movie that I remember watching as a kid. I really don't remember the name of it right now. But at one point, the young woman in it says something along the lines of, my mother always told me that a woman ought to look herself in the mirror every morning and say, I am beautiful, I am lovely, and she will be. And that kind of stuck with me. And I know it sounds very simplistic, but I think it's true that I think being kind to yourself and seeing your worth without needing a relationship or a guy to affirm it, but simply because you're a unique creation of God's truly changes you. So all of that to say, I would love for our writer to challenge herself to when she thinks something negative about herself to replace that with a positive thought, one that builds into her, doesn't chip away at her. I think it's going to feel awkward and disingenuous at first, but I really hope she tries this. She can write down affirmations if she's a journaler or she can put sticky notes on her mirror. I just want her to begin fostering positivity for herself and not waiting for someone else to do it for her. And as she said, she wants to feel loved. So I encourage her to receive that from God and from herself before looking for it elsewhere. But moving on to another point, Our writer brings up her friends and her sister in the beginning and then finishes off with a question about how to feel better about herself when everyone else is in love. So this tells me that comparison is a constant for her. Mm -hmm. 
And I think there's definitely a, a healthy kind of comparison where it's actually helpful to look at what someone else is doing or, you know, if they've achieved something that we want for ourselves, you know, take note of what they are doing that we aren't. Because I think that that kind of comparison comes from a place of self-improvement and it, it's it's from a place of, I, I'm, I can improve, I'm capable, I'm worthy. But it sounds like our writer's comparison with her friends and her sister is an unhealthy kind of comparison. And I'll just say, I completely understand that kind of comparison. I have often gotten caught up in the comparison game of asking why her and not me, what's so special about her? Why am I not worthy? Why does she get this thing and I don't? And I think this kind of comparison leads us to see others simply having something as evidence that not not just that we're not worthy, but that the other person having this positive thing in their life, like a relationship, means that there's less for us. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's pie. <laughs> Scarcity mindset. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, <clears throat> you might be going in this direction, but we always assume as single people that once someone's married, it's done. Their relationship is amazing. Everything's yeah. perfect. It's a fairy tale. And while I think there's probably parts of that of marriage, I know that even from my dating experience, just because you're dating or married doesn't mean you're not without difficulties or struggles. And mm-hmm. in a way, that's kind of helpful to remember as a single person that being married isn't going to being married or being in a relationship isn't going to solve no your problems. No, it's not going to solve the problems. And right. it yeah. probably brings more. <laughs> <laughs> it creates more. <laughs> in the sense I, that, yeah, your, your, your selfishness is revealed in a very stark way and you true. have to learn how to live in very close proximity with someone who is not just like you, amazingly mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. So <laughs> being realistic is good. <laughs> no, that's true. I think it can help some problems, but yeah, it absolutely opens up other ones. And so it's kind of like weigh that out and grass is always greener type thing. Yes. Um, yes. So I just want to encourage a writer to try to begin seeing happiness and love as things that are not finite, that just because someone else is presently experiencing these things doesn't mean she's never going to herself because she's telling a unique story with her life. And that's one that's different from her sister's or her friend's stories. And I understand how painful it is to feel like you're always left desiring more and hoping for more, but your story is unique and you can make it beautiful. No one else will live your story, only you. So I want to get to our writer's question of how she can actually begin to feel better about herself while she, while every, as she says, everyone else is in love. And one of the things I think, best things I think we can do for ourselves, and I think Ellen already touched on this, is find a community of kindred spirits, of friends who love you and see the value in you. And she might already have this with her friends who are in relationships, but I think it could be helpful for her to find friends who are in a similar place as well, who still understand her struggles on an intimate level. I personally think this is more important to find before we find romantic love because it offers us a kind of love that is so fulfilling and validating that when we have a good friend or two who are walking the same path with us, we are left 
less wanting of that affirmation of love from someone else. Um, I also would encourage our writers to fill our writer, I mean, to fill her days with things that make her happy. And I say this because I am someone that has far too easy a time just staying home and wallowing. <laughs> but if our writer has the same tendency, this could keep her from being able to not focus on her relationship status. So she could sign up for a book club or take a French class or have regular picnics on Saturdays with friends or gather a group to go paint in the park. Just find beautiful ways to spend your days and to live a life that you're already happy to live before someone comes into the picture romantically. And lastly, I'll just finish off by saying that our writer will find the right guy eventually. It might take longer than she'd hoped, as we already touched on, but it will happen. The gift that she is being given right now is the opportunity to create a life and a self that she's already happy with. So I hope she seizes that opportunity. All right. It is time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us really happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Ellen, what is your suggestion this week? So I have been loving listening to the music of Jervis Campbell. He is Hmm. a really chill Christian artist, and I'm always on the hunt for... I don't know what better way to say it than like non-cheesy Christian music. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. (laughs) And I don't know how I discovered him, but ever since I've discovered him, he's been on repeat in my house and it's just very comforting and encouraging without being cheesy, which is exactly the vibe I'm looking for. You're the Perfect. second person to mention him in like a couple of weeks. I'm like, this needs to happen. I have yes. to look him up. Okay, this For is happening. Sure. <laughs> the Lord is trying to speak to you. Oh, Listen to it's ha- yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. He sounds like chef's kiss. Um, yes. Jessica, what is your suggestion? Well, I have been just loving my favorite banana bread this last week. I've made it for years. It's from this blog that I started following years and years ago. Um, and it's the kind of thing where, you know, I like to keep my eye out for the discounted, uh, super ripe bananas at the store. So like I <laughs> grab a bunch of those and I whip up a loaf and keep it in the freezer for snacks. And sometimes my husband will make it, sometimes I'll make it, but it has nuts and chocolate chips and just this oh. lovely balance. And, um, if you're up for an extra treat, you can slather it with peanut butter and eat it with a fork. I love doing it that way. Mm. Um, and just note if you, if you look at the recipe that we, that we link, um, using the blender for the wet ingredients is very important. Don't skip that step because oh. it helps for a nice, moist, spongy, evenly baked loaf. So you don't get those big chunks of banana. It's gotta be all nice and smooth. So oh. basically it's as close to banana bread perfection as one can get. That's a really good um, <laughs> note. Everyone use the blender because that's something that I would have skipped and I would have been like, that's not necessary. I'll just use a fork. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. You got to use the blender. It's Thank you worth for it. telling us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week I'm suggesting a reusable water bottle that I've had for a couple of years now and I just adore. And it's from a company called Rifle Paper Co., or company, I guess. And it's this metal bottle with this gorgeous floral pattern painted on. And it just adds this spot of beauty to my day where 
I could have been drinking out of a plain boring cup, but it's this beautiful bottle that I'm always really happy to have around. And it does a good job of keeping my drinks hot or cold and it's really sturdy. And some of them are a bit pricey. The one that I have is actually on sale right now. Some of them can be a bit pricey, but I do think for how long it lasts, it is worth the price. And the site has all kinds of options as far as design and colors and shape go. So that's really wonderful. So that's my suggestion this week. All right. To wrap up this episode, before we go, Ellen, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you are up to? If you want to follow me on Instagram, that is where I'm most active. Uh, My username is just Ellen underscore Wildman. And then my website is ellenwildman.com. And then of course, I would love if you check out my book, Single and Not Sorry. All right. And Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, This Real Journey, and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. Also, if you're interested in learning more about my up-and-coming business, Eden and Me, please visit EdenandMe.com to subscribe to my email list and follow me on Instagram as well at EdenandMe.ig. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.